0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. It's good to come together and uh, just encourage one another, and uh, so good to to have you all here this morning. If you're joining us online, we just want to give a special welcome to those joining online this morning as well. And uh, uh, we're continuing in our uh, study of Romans, as Benjamin uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, We have three more messages after this week as we look at chapter 16, but we're ending 15 today. And um, as we look at the text, uh, one of the things that just kind of made me uh, think a lot this week is uh, in regards to the will of the Lord. How often do you think about, what what is the will of the Lord for me? It should be something that we're thinking about often as we think back to where we've been uh, for a long time now, as we've studied Romans 12 through uh, 15, Uh, Paul has been talking about the will of the Lord for us. Now, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, and we think about that kind of will, it's, it's God's moral law, it's God's will for you and I as his people, the way that we ought to live. And as we think about that, we, we ought to be striving for that each and every day as the people of God. God, what is your will? And how do we know his will? Well, it's by this book, Right? The, the the Bible, the, the word of God, we must study this book if we are to have our minds transformed, no longer being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the word of God. So super important that we're people of the word if we're to know the moral will of God. And that will we can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. And, and um, I'm praying that God would help us to see increasing obedience day by day. Some of us are here like, there were some times this last week where that, that I did not do what I ought to have done, right? And but God's grace is there, and, and so we trust in Him in that regard. And then we have God's sovereign, decretive will, which is, it's happening, God says it's going to happen and it does happen. Some of those things he's revealed to us in his word, there's other things that, that we can look back and say, oh yeah, that was his will. But there's, the, there's this idea of when, when God's declared something, it's his will and there's nothing and there's no one that can stop his of will, his sovereign will. We think of verses like Ephesians 1:11. Now, where Paul says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, he takes all of our decisions that we make on a daily basis and he takes all of that and brings about his will. Like, does that kind of just like make your mind hurt a little bit as you think about that? How does he do that? Well, he is God, and he is more than able to do that. And we think about a greatest example, of course, would be the cross. Uh, Peter talking about the events of Christ's crucifixion in Acts 2.23. He says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Right? Men very culpable for what they have done. The, the, the Jews that handed him over to, to be crucified, the Romans who actually did the crucifixion, they are all culpable for what they did. But it was under God's sovereign plan, definite plan, that, that the plan that had begun in Genesis, or sorry, yeah, Genesis 3.15, which ultimately, if we understand, was the plan that was formed before the foundation of the world. And so we see God's sovereign will and then we see his moral will in our lives. And I want us to think about this morning as we look at Paul's life, I want us to think about what does it look like to live under the will of the Lord on a day to day basis? What what should my life look like if I am to be following the will of the Lord? I, I'm praying everyone here this morning is like that's my desire. I, I want to follow the will of the Lord. And if we're being honest, sometimes even that needs to be questioned, whether that actually is my heart's desire, or whether it's my will be done, my kingdom come, right? Like, we have to wrestle with that continually. But if we're to seek the will of the Lord, understanding His will, His secret will, and then His moral will, and His sovereign will, what does that look like for me from day to day? And so this is what we're going to be looking, like, looking at, and um, maybe just get... Some of those things to think about as we as we think about these some of these broader categories of our lives, we think about the day to day of course, there's like, okay, well, does God really care if I go to mcdonald 's or a and w for breakfast? I mean both are going to kill you it doesn't really matter right? <laughs> like, right like there's those kinds of things like some but some people are kind of like like consumed like like uh and like do, what does God think about these things and and I want us just to remind us when it comes to Understanding those kinds of decisions, we should just be understanding what is God's moral will for me and then make a decision, right? I I don't have to sit there for a half an hour and try to figure that out. But then there's some of the bigger issues of my life, right? Like uh, what, what career should I do? Right? And, and nowadays, like, you just choose that, what, 25 times, and then, <laughs> right? And then you know. I mean, in the back in the day, it was like, this is what I've been doing for 45 years. You know, just, you shows know, it up. But now it's like a little bit different. But with that, how do we understand what is the will of the Lord in regards to my career? Well, know what God's will for you as a servant of Christ. First and foremost, what? You're an ambassador of Him. So that's your first job is to be an ambassador, and so then you seek and say, Lord, how can I best be an ambassador in the way that you've gifted me? And so maybe for you that I'm a teacher, I'm an electrician, I'm a plumber, like what? there's all different kinds of things that God would have us do for careers, but we first start with how can I best be an ambassador for him in these places? And then we pray and let God lead us. And sometimes, as I've already mentioned, sometimes that will change. How about this one? Who should I marry? Did you know that the Bible tells you who you should marry and who you should not marry? All right? Now, if you're looking for a particular name, a particular hairstyle, hair color, eye color, right, size, weight, all this kind of, like, that's not in here, but, like, this for sure, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're seeking what? You're seeking someone who loves the Lord, who is pursuing Him. That's their first and foremost. If you're going through the list and there's a whole lot of people in this world, okay, you can take like billions off the table right now, right? Not candidates for me to marry right now, right? God may change that, but right now they're not candidates for me to marry. But, but, but we, we're like, okay, do they love the Lord? Do they, do they seek Him? Are they doing that without me being around, right? Then that might be somebody that God is calling me to marry. So um, these things, as we think about day to day decisions, as we think about the bigger decisions of life, they all fall under the category of the will of the Lord. But God's word helps us in these things. One one, one key thought here before we get into today's text uh, Psalm 37, 4 Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, sometimes we get that twisted. But really what it's saying is when you love Jesus, when you love his word, then do whatever you want to do because it'll be according to the will of the Lord, right? When you're when you're when you have your heart and mind in the right place, then God will lead you and give you the desires of your heart. So, first question, let's start here, basic. Do you believe that God has a will for your life? Do you believe that? I like MacArthur's answer. He says this, I'm under the belief that if God has a will, he would like you to know it. Does that sound far-fetched? Sounds sort of obvious to me, he says. Let's assume God has a will for your life. Can you assume that? If he doesn't, you're in a lot of trouble, right? So let's just go with the fact that yes, God has a will for your life. The question then, comes, the question that follows after that then is this, are you seeking to live out your life according to his will, or are you living your life according to your will? So as we pray, as we think about the text this morning, I want you just to begin to examine. God, show me, show me the answer to these questions. Am I seeking your will? Do I believe you have a will for my life? And then we're going to get into the text. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. And God, we're just asking now, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit. That God, you would help us to to understand your will for us today. God, we're so thankful for your word that you've given us that we might know your will. Lord, you have given us your word, you've given us your spirit, You sent your son, God, you want us to know you. And so God, this morning we pray that we would know you more, that we would love you better as a result of our time together this morning. And as we think about your will for our lives, God, we we pray that we would not have worldly ideas about these things, but God, we would have scriptural ideas about your will for our lives. And that God, we would be encouraged by what your scriptures teach us today and that God, we would live according to what your word says. And so, God, as we are challenged by your word, God, we pray that we would be conformed more and more into your image today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible this morning, go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, The ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's word. If you don't own one, then just keep it. And uh, we want to look at Romans 15, verses 22 through 33 this morning. Romans 15, 22 to 33. Paul says this, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I am no longer I no longer have any room for work in these regions and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in the passing in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and then delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of As we look at the life of Paul this morning, we see three daily habits of faithful believers. Three daily habits of faithful believers. First, we make our plans. We make our plans. When we, we consider the will of the Lord, verse 32 really is the key to this whole, whole text. He's wanting to know what the will of the Lord is. He's living according to the will of the Lord. We need to make plans each day. It's okay that you would make plans, right? It's not an unscriptural thing to do. And we see Paul making plans here. He says that he has often been hindered in coming to them. So we think about the will of the Lord and his sovereignty. Paul had wanted to get to them, but as of yet, he had not yet got to these uh, believers in Rome. But now he says that there's no longer any room for work in those regions, right? The regions that he was, if you were with us last week, he had been from Jerusalem until Ilicreum. I'm probably still saying that wrong. Ilicreum, okay? He had went and he had planted churches all through that area. Now, he, Paul's not saying every person is saved there. I, I needed to move on. No, if we understand what he was talking about before, his goal in ministry was to go and preach the gospel where it had not been preached before. And he's done that. And he's gone from Jerusalem all the way up there. It's about 1,400 miles. And, he, and he's and he's preached and established churches in those areas. So what? So now there is a gospel witness in those areas. And because there's a gospel witness in those areas, he's like, okay, my work is done there. And now his intention is what? It is to get to Spain. And so, guess what? Rome is on the way to Spain, and he is wanting to, uh, wanting to not only visit them in Rome, but he's also, what What does it say in verse 24? He's also wanting to get some help from them. Now, this word for help is to help one's journey with food, money, by arranging for companions, means of travel, etc. It's actually the word koinonia, right? He's saying, I want, I want you to help me in the ministry. I mean, it seems pretty obvious why. He can't get to Spain and say, hey, I want all the Christians here to support me. Why? He's going there because there are no Christians, right? He's going there because he wants to get the gospel to them. And as the people of God, we share the greater mission of seeing the gospel go around the world. So he goes to Rome with the hopes that they'll say, hey, well, we're with you. And this is not just like, here's 10 bucks and a quick prayer. Good luck. This is actually like joining him in the mission, just like Antioch had sent him out on those missionary journeys with Barnabas. Now he's saying, Would you be really, willing, would you be ready to help me to um, send me out to Spain? So this is his goal. He's, 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 he's going to go to Spain, but he's going to stop there in Rome. That's his plan. That's his plan. Uh, Verse 32, if it's God's will that I may come to you. So he's he's not just like, this is going to happen. No, he understands that when it comes to the will of the Lord, we can make our plans, but our plans don't always work. Has anybody ever had that happen? Okay, some are still listening. That's good to see. Okay, everyone who's ever made a plan who knows that sometimes our plans don't work out. Okay, and and. You know, sometimes it's a matter of time. When you think about Paul's plans here, it says that he, he's longed to come to them for quite some time. But he didn't get there, right? He didn't get there. He, he, it's been years by this time, and, and he still has not yet got there. But the desire is there. Can you relate to that about some of the things in your life? Like The desire's there, you, you believe that it's the will of the Lord, you would do it, but it doesn't happen in your timing, it happens in the, will, uh, the, the Lord's timing. You know, when I you know, I was 17, 18, I had my plan kind of figured out. I figured once I was old, like in my early 20s, I would get married, right? Well, looking back on my life, that was not the will of the Lord. My, the will of the Lord for me was not to get married till 29, that's that's you know, I met my the girl that I was to marry at twenty-eight and and then we got married at twenty-nine. That was God's will for my life. I started thinking about seminary in, in the year two thousand, but it didn't go until two thousand and six. And, and, and it seemed like a, almost a kind of a crazy thing that that would be the, the plan that God would have for us. I mean, it would make so much more sense when, you know, it's just Heather and I and, and no kids involved, but now that we have kids involved and there's financial obligations and all these things, And guess what? It was a great plan by God. Not my plan, but God's plan. Can you relate to that in your life? Like hindsight's twenty twenty, Right? At the time, it's a little disconcerting. You're like, no, 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 it has to happen in my time. I want it to happen in my, you know, because I know better. Yeah, like, right, okay? None of us know better, right? God knows better. That's the theme of this morning as we think about this. God's plans are always better than my plans. And so Paul's just saying, look, I, I'm hoping to come. It's been a while now. I've longed to come for you for a while. But if it's the will of the Lord, I will come to you. And so that's one thing we can think about as we think about this. Uh, Number two, as we think about the will of the Lord and making plans, I I think it's important that we understand, and as I've already mentioned this in the the introduction, but like that's what we live for, right? The will of the Lord. Like do you, can you say that that's true in your life? And that you, the culture hasn't kind of seeped in a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? I'm I'm on it for the will of the Lord up until the May long weekend. And then, you know, like, uh, we're just going to do my thing until the September long weekend. And then I'm back on again. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'll be refreshed. And, you know, like, we don't say that, but sometimes we live like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm on it for the Lord, but now I need me time. God understands I need me time. Who needs me time? Not, uh, Not a believer. Okay. We need Christ time. Right? And he, in his way, will refresh us as we seek him. Is that wrong to take a vacation? Is that what I'm saying? Um, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But what I'm saying is, as you take your vacation, as you go camping, let us continually be thinking, what's the will of the Lord as I go and do these things? Am I being an ambassador for him wherever I go and whatever I do? I mean, Paul's life is not about comfort. Like, just this think about what he's intending to do. Like, he's not hopping on it, you know, like you and I can be so quick to, he's not hopping on a plane, and you and I, I was just thinking about this, how how easy it is for us to whine and complain, like oh, like travel. You know how hard it is now? Like, you know, you gotta be at the airport two hours early now, and it's like, it's such a pain, and you know, and, and well, do you think you had it hard, right? I mean, Paul is saying what? He's gonna hop in a ship. If he just uses this, the ship has traveled. He's saying, hey, I'm going to hop on over to Jerusalem, 800 miles. Then I'm going to come on over to you, 1,500 miles by ship. And then I'm going to go to Spain, 700 miles. I, like 3,000 miles. Why is Paul putting himself through this? I mean, you read Acts 20, right, uh, 27, 28. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Shipwrecks. It wasn't his first one, by the way. Okay, so it wasn't like travel was like, oh, 100% safety. Like, no, it's dangerous every time you, you hopped on a ship. It was dangerous every time you went somewhere. And yet, he's doing all this. Why? Because he wants the will of the Lord to be done in his life. He wants the gospel to go out to everyone who has not heard. Comfort was not in his purview. He understood that as he made his plans, he wanted the glory of God to happen. He, he understood, as he made his plans, sometimes he would be prevented from doing what he had planned. He understood what it says in James 4, 13 to 15. I'm just gonna have a few verses today, I encourage you to write these things down, but in James 4, 13 to 15, James says this, "'Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, "'we will go into such and such a town, "'and spend a year there, and trade, and make a profit, Right, like you people who are kind of like, yeah, here's my life. Here's what the next five years are going to be. And he says this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Did you understand the difference? And, and, and oh, by the way... As we learn to speak Christianese, sometimes what happens is you're like, here's everything I'm doing, if the, will, if the Lord wills. And, and it's not like, do I still get it? Do I still get the prize? You know, it's like, I know I'm supposed to say that at the end, and then I get it, right? Is that how it works? That's not how it works. We can make our plans, but we're wide open to say that God, you will direct the path. Lord, your will will be done. And Trevor's plans may not happen. But this is what I think we're going to do. This is what it says in Proverbs, Proverbs 16:9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord established his steps. Proverbs 19:21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we plan. That's okay to plan. If you hear me saying that it was, I'm mocking you out to have a five year plan, I'm not mocking you out to have a five year plan. That's fine. Have a plan. But then understand that you're holding it like this, not like this, right? This is the plan. God, you better make it happen. No, this is the plan. I believe, based on the wisdom that I have, and I understand that's not a whole lot and the insight that I have into the future. And again, I understand that's not a whole lot. Here's what we think we're going to do. But we understand that the will of the Lord may not be that, and so we're okay with that. So we make plans, but we keep our hands open as to whether or not it will happen. And we're okay with it, why? Because of the God who's over it all. Because we trust Him. So we make our plans, Secondly, we hold our priorities, right? We make our plans each day. We hold our priorities. What are your priorities? It's the things that you're doing each day. Did you understand that? It's what you're doing. You chose to come here this morning instead of sleeping in because this was a priority. Whatever you do, it is a priority. Now, Before we get into this, I think it's really important for us to stop and say, are my priorities God's priorities? That's something we have to continually be evaluating. Are my priorities God's priorities? If they're not, I need to change my priorities. Not just in my mind and saying, yeah, 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 I got to change that. And then not changing it. But like actually changing it. And Paul He's just a model for us. His his priority is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. His priority is to be an apostle. His priority is to see the gospel go forward. And, and, And right now, he's making a choice. As much as he wants to get to Spain, he believes there's a greater priority right now. And that's going to Jerusalem. And so he says in verse 25, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. All right, so he's describing the situation. You read the first and second Corinthians, you read Acts, you see, you get insight as to what's been going on as Paul's been on his third missionary journey. they have been making collections for the poor in Jerusalem, for the saints who are poor in Jerusalem. We don't know why they're poor. There's lots of theories. Some, says, okay, is this from Acts 11 where Ag- Agabus, the prophet, had predicted about the, the severe famine coming upon them? Is that kind of, I mean, that's back in Acts 11. This is a little wise, li- like, like, this is still a lot later than that. But, but in Acts 11, they're talking about making collections for the believers in Judea. Maybe this is connected to that. Could be that. Could be just the simple fact that they're believers in a hostile territory now and it's hard to get work. And, and, and what? You're a Christian, you don't get work. Could be that. Could be, this was an interesting insight I hadn't thought about before as I was reading commentaries this week. Could be that, you know, remember in Acts 2 where they're selling everything and giving to everyone as has a need? That may have run out. And now they need help. Right. So there's all kinds of different theories as to why they're poor. It doesn't really matter why they're poor, it just matters that they were ready to help. And so these Gentile believers, this is the key part of this, I believe. These Gentile believers are making, are giving to these Jewish believers so that they might be helped. Right? So again. Paul, uh, is helpful here. He says, the gift for the Jerusalem saints is not only a ministry, for the term fellowship indicates solidarity and partnership. By giving to those who are in need in Jerusalem, the Gentiles demonstrated their partnership with them in the gospel. If you've been with us for the last two years studying the book of Romans, you understand this is a key concept that Paul has been hammering over and over and over again. Jew and Gentile together in the body of Christ and, 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 and he, it's just something that's very close to his heart because he he's seen how this has the potential to tear apart the church and and of course that's why they had to have the Jerusalem Council right to come together okay what do the what are the Gentiles obligated to do and and, and how do you know so how do we live together as Jew and Gentile believer and this is what he's been talking about a whole book of Romans and so he's he's this offering is not just about some money. It's about to say, hey, we're together in Christ. And he continues on. He says, they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So he said, they were happy to do it, but by the way, they do owe it to them, right? Right? I like how he puts that, okay? They were happy to do it, which they should have been happy to do it. Why? Because now they're sharing in the spiritual blessings that were once for the Jews only. And now, as he's been telling us in the book of Romans, that the salvation has now come through the Jews to the Gentiles. And the promises that were once for only the Jews now have been spread out to the Gentiles. This is God's plan, this secret plan that has been revealed through Jesus Christ. And so now, because they are now brothers, they are are, are brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're children of God together, they ought to share. They've been sharing in the spiritual blessings, so now we will show that we are one by sharing in the material blessings. Moose says this. Paul understands that the Gentile status as members of the people of God is inextricably tied to a salvation history that has an indelible OT Jewish caste. Gentile Christians, many with no previous ties to Judaism and living far from Jerusalem, need to understand this also. And their giving of money to the saints in Jerusalem will go a long way towards solidifying the sense of indebtedness. And so this is like, It's not just about an offering. Because if you think about this, Paul, why did you just not send the money with someone else? You could save a lot of travel. You could get to Spain quicker. Like, why was this such a priority? Well, Paul was convinced that this needed to happen. And that as an apostle to the Gentiles who was himself a Jew, he could be a part of the solution. A part of the uniting that, that needed to happen. And so he's going and he says, when therefore I have completed this and have it delivered it to them, and what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. All right, so he, he's, he's going to do this. And, and, and as I said, I think there's, there's a lot going on about his desire for them to be united. Perhaps Galatians 2.10 comes into this as well, when, when um, uh, James and Cephas and John had commissioned Paul to go out, he said in Galatians two ten. Only they asked us to remember the ver- the poor, the very thing I was eager to do, and so he's doing that. He's fulfilling the commission that's been given to him. I think there's so many things that we can learn about his priorities here. This is not an exciting thing in many ways, right? It's it's it's, it's a bit mundane. It's taking money and delivering it to them. We all good. Right? Are we united? Are we one? And now he's, then he'll go off to the exciting stuff of of getting the gospel to new lands. But he's being faithful in the mundane. You and I need to be faithful in the mundane things of life, the day-to-day things of life. We need to continually be measuring whether or not our priorities are God's priorities in our life. Right? If you're a mom or dad, your priority is for your children and raising them up and making disciples of them. If you're Married today, your priority is your wife or husband and loving them in, in a way that, that would bring glory and honor to the Lord. Those are two priorities that you have on an everyday basis. They can seem mundane, but they make all the difference in the world. If you're not faithful in those two things, that, that you, you're gonna be in a world of hurt for your life. And so we must be faithful in those things. So Paul's eagerness is to, to remember the poor, make this a priority. Then he's going to go to Spain. That's the plan. He's excited about the prospect, right? He says in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, right? He's excited about being with these Roman believers. He said back in 112, he he believes that they will be able to mutually encourage one another. He's excited about this prospect, And so this morning, I want us to think about how are you doing with your priorities on a day-to-day basis? What are your priorities? Where are you spending all your time? That's your priority. Well, it's not really my priority. It's your priority. Right now, it's your priority. You can change it by doing something different. But you have to stop and ask yourself, what are my priorities? And then how do they fall under the will of the Lord? Do you think your current priorities each week are in line with the will of God in your life? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your energy? Our priorities can easily get out of line. So we have to check them often, right? Like a weekly basis. How how am I doing? Are my priorities God's priorities? We do that as a church. Do you know that? In fact, we're going to have an opportunity to do that tonight in the members meeting. We, 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 as an elder team, we, we think about, okay, how are we doing? What's the mission? Lost people saved, saved people matured, mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. How are we doing at the mission? That's a priority for our church. We have said that is why we exist. This is why we, we do life together. And when we have this boiled down to these six distinctives, these six attributes, believing in in things like the power of prayer and and bold preaching and and evangelism and church planning and discipleship, right, these these kinds of, like, how are we doing in those six things? Wow, like, kind of a rough year. We're looking, we're being honest. That needs to be helped, that needs to be, Propped up. So then what? So we're gonna change our priorities. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make different plans to match those priorities. Because we've gone and got off. And and so we we will do that together tonight at the members meeting. We're gonna ask you, okay, come come ready for that. How are we doing? And and, and this is like, how are we doing together? Okay. And, then, and so come with that heart, with that, that attitude. But, but we do that as a church, but we should do that as individuals as well. And so we make our plans, we hold our priorities, and then thirdly, we lift our prayers. We lift our prayers. Now, when we think about this word for lift, okay, why did I use the word lift? I, I want you to think about it in the sense of, like, working out, all right? Now, if you're like me, it's like, I think I've seen that somewhere. Um, people working out, um, and 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 but but think about maybe at one time you did that, all right? And you you know your 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 personal best, you know, lifting, you know, like eighty pounds. It was awesome, you know, whatever. Okay, okay. Um, now think about that lifting. What does it take? Takes some effort, right? Takes some like like agonizing if you're going to continue to go further and further in your personal best, that, that's the word Paul's using here in verse 30 for prayer. It's agonizomai, soon uh, agonizomai, is, is, to, is to strive, it, it is as we, has it, it's uh, translated in the English. But there's, it, there's like this with your whole being idea. And, and not, not just me, but we, Doing it together. And so he says in verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Like, not just kind of like, you know, popcorn prayer where there's like no, no like, like this is like agonizing in prayer on Paul's behalf. The, the idea here would be praying as if the, the, the consequences are yours, right? Praying as if the consequences were yours. And, he, and, he, and he's saying to this, he's appealing to them. You literally could say, I plead with you to, to pray. And he calls them brothers, and reminds them of their, their being one in Christ. But he says, by our Lord Jesus Christ. His appeal here is to, with his authority, with his authority, we, we pray. He's our Lord. Again, it's reminding of what we have in common. And then he says, and by the love of the Spirit, by the love that we share through the Holy Spirit, we, we have a, a heart and a love for one another that's not natural, that's not fleshly. It is of the Spirit of God. I, I, this last weekend, I was praying with someone I, I'd never met before, right, right? It was the first Sunday, but there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and, I, and I was, they're, they're trying to get work, and so I said, let me pray for you. And, and there was weeping. Why? Why? I, I don't know them. It's because of the love of the Spirit, right? And we have this, this love for one another. It says, so based on our love for one another, based on our common Uh, being one in Christ and based on his authority, would you please strive together with me in your prayers? When you think about your prayer life, does does it involve agonizing, struggling, wrestling with God over the future on behalf of one another? God knows all the different issues that are faced here this morning. Life is hard, is it not? Like so many ups and downs. So many, that's not how I planned it. But we can come together and we can pour out our hearts to God on behalf of one another. In order to do that, though, you have to be known you have to share what's going on in your life. And that's what God would desire for us to be a people who are sharing what, um, the different concerns in our life. And so Paul's saying, Here's my concerns, verse 31 is that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He's praying for personal protection and he's praying that this offering would be received by the Jews that they wouldn't say oh this is dirty money right this is from the gentiles though though though, though we don't we are not of the gentiles we you know we're we're god's people he, and so he, these are again we see why he felt like he needed to come and so he's praying that they would receive the offering and that he would be protected So there's the two requests, and then the third one, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Three requests, requests. Protection, that they would receive the money, and that by God's will he might come to them with joy and be refreshed in their company. Would you pray for those things, he says? Would you agonize with me in prayer over these things? Now, we have the privilege of knowing the whole story here, right? Paul is in Ephesus. He's still got, what was it, 700 miles, 800 miles to get to Jerusalem. He's not there yet. But as we think about it, he's in Acts 20 about this time. He's, we see as he meets with the elders in Ephesus that they don't know if they're ever going to see him again. We see that Agabus, the prophet, again, is showing up here. He's saying, look, you're going to be, you're going to be bound in Jerusalem, Paul. Or, yeah, Paul. You're going to be bound there. And he's like, I get it. I'm being warned by the Spirit that if I go, it's not going to go well for me. And so when he's praying for personal protection, he, you can better believe that he's praying for personal protection. He understands the risk of him going there, but he feels compelled by the Lord that he must go there. That he has to go there for the sake of the gospel. And if he dies, he dies, but he has to go. But he's at the same time he's saying, would you pray for me that I might be protected? Did God answer that prayer? Yeah. Yeah. Not maybe the way that Paul would have drawn it up. But while the Jews are beating him, Roman soldiers come and deliver him from them. Then he's in imprisonment. And for the next two years, the Jews are trying to kill him over and over and over again. If you read the book of Acts, you see they're, trying, they're intent on trying to kill him. But God protects him. He does get to Rome. Acts 21, 17, they received Paul when he came with the offering. God answered the prayer, but not in the way they would have expected. So, how does Paul respond? How would you respond? Did he get to Rome, by the way? Yeah, he got to Rome. I mentioned that, right? And when he gets there, we read in Acts 28 that they're able to be refreshed by their time together. So many of the the prayers were were answered. But if Paul's like you and I, he just whines and complains, right, the whole time? Well, Paul, thankfully, is not like you and I. I mean, you think about it. If you were in Paul's situation, really? I risked my life and this is how you thank me? I'm I'm in jail now? And you complain, and you whine, and you groan. Like, fine, fine, whatever. I'm not doing anything. I'll just sit here in prison then, because that's what you want. Well, Paul's not like us, and so we read about this in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. How did, what was his response? Philippians 1, 12 to 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I see how God's using this. It wasn't my plan, it was his plan, but his plan is so much better. And the gospel is going out now in ways that it wouldn't have gone out before, and so I give praise to God. Do we, do we believe that God's plans are better than our plans? And sometimes it's hard. I understand that's hard. I mean, we, we, we should never belittle what Paul went through. I mean, man. But his perspective, it was like what? It was like Joseph's perspective that we just learned about a couple of weeks ago. His brothers are like, ah, don't kill us. Dad said don't kill us. And his perspective is what? What you meant for evil, God meant for good because he believed in God's sovereign plan over all things. So that the whole world wasn't falling apart when it didn't happen according to my plans. But that God was very good and that he was, he was using these things for his, for his will and for his glory. Now, we don't know this for sure but history would tell us that Paul did get to Spain. Eventually he was released from this imprisonment. And it is believed that he did get to Spain before he was arrested again. And eventually was killed by the hand of Nero. So you see this, this big picture of God answering prayers in ways that we don't expect, and yet using our little prayers where our limited prayers and not knowing really what we're even praying for half the time, and yet he uses these things to bring about his will. And so we need to be a people of prayer, and I want to just encourage you tonight. It's a great time to come together. There's going to be a lot of us here tonight, and we're just going to be praying and seeking the Lord and praising him together. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if we believe in the power of prayer, let's make that a priority to come out tonight. And then Paul ends, and I think this is just a beautiful reminder. He says, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. All through this chapter, Paul has been pointing us to different characteristics of God. In verse 5, he's talked about God being the God of endurance and encouragement. In verse 13, he talked about God being the God of hope. And now he talks about him being the God of peace. The one who has reconciled us to himself and to one another. The word shalom, the word for peace in Hebrew, it actually talks about multiple blessings that God gives us. And this would be the idea here. The blessings that God gives us. And I think as we think about the will of God and accepting the will of God, the character of God is key. If you believe that God is good, always, if you believe that His love is steadfast, that it's always there, if you believe that His faithfulness is great, if you know that He is all-knowing, if you know that He is all-powerful, then when life happens in ways that you would not have liked, that you don't like, then you're able to then still trust because you know his character, even though it's hard. We had an example of that this week. I'm going to send out an email this afternoon, but... um, Kinsley, uh, who's three weeks old, uh, died on Thursday. And um, Heather and I and Byron and Megan, on Thursday morning, we just, this picture of agonizing in prayer for that little girl. At that point, we still didn't know what what the Lord had, um, whether she had days, weeks, years, still was unknown. But we prayed together and we wept together. And then when they got to the hospital, they found out that the doctors were like, we really feel like we can't do anything more. And she went to be with the Lord on Thursday night. That's hard, it's really hard. But to watch what the Spirit is doing in Byron and Megan's life right now is it's such a beautiful thing, how He's strengthening them And and giving them courage for each morning and and just in powerful ways it's really hard to describe and we say Lord your will be done you know what's best Kinsley's not worrying about it right now she's having her best day ever but it's still hard And it's such a picture of what Paul's talking about here. We make our plans, we hold our priorities, we lift our prayers, and then we say, Thy will be done. And we pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time together this morning. And Lord, we... We pray for our hope to be in you and you and you alone each and every day. We pray that we would follow the example of Paul who made plans, who held priorities, who lifted prayers all under the will of God. Desiring to live in holiness, Lord, as you've revealed in your moral will, but then entrusting your sovereign will to be done. God, we pray that you would help us to do the same. God, we would, would see that you are good in all things. And Lord, even this morning, we're reminded of our hope, that our, life, our hope is not in this earth, but that our hope is in Jesus Christ. And one day soon, Lord, you're going to return. And Lord, you will fulfill your ultimate plan, which will be to see your kingdom come and your will being done on this earth in full for the rest of eternity. Lord, until that time, Lord, would you help us to rest in you? Lord, would you help us to trust in you? Lord, I thank you so much that you know every single person's struggle here this morning. God, I pray that you would increase their faith, you would increase their trust in you, that you would increase us to be a people of prayer as we humble ourselves before you. May it be all for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.